0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
1: The Hargan women seem to have it all.
0: From the outside looking in,
1: we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household.
0: Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Mm -hmm. No one's answering.
1: I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. police arrived. found the, the telephone and electricity lines. The weirdest described one. by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird
0: religion. Morning. a murder. murder.
1: We hear time and time again how a person's childhood and the parents they were born with can influence their lives and not always for the good. On September 16th, 1961, a man was born into a family full of criminals and he would go on to commit a horrible crime against women who he believed were scum. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Terry Blair was born on September 16, 1961, and was the fourth oldest of ten siblings born to a mother suffering from mental illness. He was also born into a family that surrounded itself with crime. While in jail for a separate incident, Terry's brother Walter met a man who offered him $6,000 to kill the woman testifying against him in a rape charge. Walter then abducted the woman, Catherine Jo Allen, Took her to a vacant lot and shot her. He was convicted and executed in 1993. His half brother, Clifford Miller, was convicted in 1992 for the abduction of a woman from a bar. He shot her in the arm, raped, and repeatedly beat her. He was sentenced to two life sentences for kidnapping and forcible sodomy. His own mother fatally shot a man but was sentenced to probation. This was just to name a few of the crimes committed by the Blair family. A life of crime and problems solved by murder seemed to be all that his family knew. He was no exception. In 1982, Angela Monroe, mother of Terry Blair's two sons, was murdered. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison and paroled after just 21 for her murder. According to court records, he was angry at Angela for being a sex worker, a fact that was neither proven nor disproven. He did not stop there with his hatred for sex workers because on July 14, 2004, sex worker Anna Ewig was strangled with her own clothes and her neck broken. She was found by a man spraying for weeds behind a vacant apartment building. It was initially ruled as an accidental cocaine overdose. On September 2nd, the body of Sheila McKenzie was found covered by a tarp in an abandoned garage. Underneath her body was Patricia Wilson Butler. Both women were sex workers. Sheila had been strangled and her neck broken, much like Anna's, and semen was found on and in her body. Patricia's body was too decomposed to determine the cause of death, as she had been dead for approximately three weeks, while Sheila was only two days. That same day, 911 got an anonymous call bragging that he put two women in that garage. We know now that this call was, more than likely, made by Terry Blair himself. This was just the first of two calls that would be made surrounding his victims, the second being made the next day. He would call and give the locations of the bodies, relishing in his kills and calling the women, quote, scum. Though some believe it was not him who made the calls. On September 3rd, the body of Carmen Hunt was found behind a vacant house. Her cause of death was unknown, and she, like all of his victims, was also a sex worker. On September 4th, Claudette Junil was found in the woods behind a boarded-up building. She was strangled with her own clothes and her neck broken. That same day, Darcy Williams was found with the same exact cause of death. Terry Blair was finally arrested on October 15, 2003, after his DNA was matched to the semen on Sheila McKenzie. He was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder, one count of first-degree assault, and three counts of rape. Though much of the evidence was circumstantial, his semen was found on one of his victims, which at least proved that he had a sexual encounter with the woman prior to her death. The prosecution used this fact to build the case that the fact that she had not tidied herself up after the sex act showed that Terry Blair was likely the last person to see her alive. He was able to avoid the death penalty by agreeing to waive his right to a jury trial and, on March 27, 2008, was found guilty in the deaths of six women and sentenced to life without parole. He was originally charged with two additional murders, that of Sandra Reed and Nelia Harris, but made a deal to have those charges dropped as part of his trial without a jury deal. Before the judge handed down Terry's sentence, he criticized Kansas City Police for its media coverage of the case. The show The First 48 was covering the investigation and followed as detectives discovered the women's bodies. He believed that the officers were more concerned with being on TV than solving the crime, potentially adding more victims, and mistakes made were filmed and used by the defense to argue shoddy police work. Ultimately, it did not work out, though, because Terry Blair remains in prison with no chance of release. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short,